0: Hey, happy Halloween Um, this is Charlie and this is the podcast to hell and back and I wish I could tell you I was wearing a costume I thought that I would even though you can't see me just so that you'd know I was wearing one but I don't want to be dishonest (laughs) I wish I was wearing a costume but I'm not Um, but in the spirit of Halloween um, and definitely have that and yeah, so I haven't been on the podcast for a couple weeks and after today I miss two more because I'll be traveling to teach DBT uh, over in Italy actually and uh, so I will miss a couple of them um and then I'll be back uh ooh, the one uh, before Thanksgiving I think that means. Yeah, and I'll continue today's topic. And what is today's topic? Um I'm now, you know, I'm halfway through talking about the four different modules of skills in DBT, and I think of each of these skills as tools for surviving or navigating or getting or or getting out of hell uh in life. And so, uh I'll be covering two more modules. I have covered the modules that basically add up to the acceptance skills in DBT the mindfulness module and the distress tolerance and reality acceptance module now next two modules both have to do with changing things so the one I, I'll start today and my guess is it's going to take about three weeks three podcasts to do this will be um, about uh, uh, emotion regulation skills and these are the skills for changing your a relationship to your emotions transforming your relationship to your emotions uh, and I'll be getting into that and then the follow the last module I'll do in this series will be interpersonal effectiveness which is really changing your relationship to other people and trying to change the behaviors of other people um, in a skillful way so all these great things ahead this module in particular emotion regulation has just a ton of great suggestions of what to do about your emotions or what to do to increase your resiliency with respect to having emotions or what to do when you have a negative emotions and you want to reduce that or to transform that or to shift emotions it's just a lot of good stuff um, and uh I realize I always start the podcast, and I just my mind just told me that um, I didn't start this one by saying uh, this is uh, what date it is because I said happy Halloween it's october thirty first it's four o'clock that I'm starting in the eastern time zone in Massachusetts where I live and uh, this is podcast number thirty four so I've been debating how to start. Um, there's a number of different things I wanna do and my guess is that this there's gonna be a this'll be a lengthy um, by the word lengthy, I don't wanna turn you off. Don't go running away <laughs> if you're trying to listen to this you're like, Oh no, it's gonna be lengthy. It'll be no longer than the other ones. But I was thinking, um, will I get into the actual skills one by one by one by one of the skills? Um I'm not sure I'll get that far today because there's a bunch I want to say about emotions what emotions are What's the nature of emotions? What are the conditions that give rise to emotions and and what's the overall point of view about? Emotions and how we can change them. So um, there'll be a lot of that. I hope it'll be highly relevant And then when we get into the actual skill by skill by skill um, They'll make a lot of sense uh, with respect to this Um, Okay I think the way I'm going to start is to tell you a little story um, hmm. very close to my office uh, where I go every day Monday through Friday is uh, a little shop for coffee and uh, and sandwiches and bagels and uh, for years I've gone there pretty much uh, every morning to pick up coffee and then most of the time at lunch just to go get a sandwich in particular my favorite sandwich there being a tuna melt and um, and I've always liked it there the atmosphere has been great um, it's a very friendly group of people working there enthusiastic the manager herself is that way they're very generous in their style um, they're very flexible and helpful um, when there was a storm that knocked out all power in our area for five days if, what three years ago four years ago uh, as I would expect they were literally the only location on in town that was open early in the morning like five in the morning uh, with whatever they had a generator or something to uh, make and serve coffee for people and because people couldn't get coffee which was going to make everything worse so it's that kind of place and I just enjoyed going there and appreciated them um, so then a strange thing happened a few months ago. So, what happened? Well, I walked in there to get my tuna melt at lunch and uh, and when I walked in, I encountered um, a set of i don't know cues you might say a set of circumstances there that was unusual. There was a very somber mood in the place. things seemed to be moving slowly. people didn't seem to be that friendly. Um, there were not that many customers, uh, and the manager wasn't there. I looked around, thought, "Gee, what's going on here?" Um, I asked one person about it, who I had seen there many times. So some of the main people that worked there, I didn't see there either, and um, they said that uh, management of this chain had fired the manager, and that with the firing of the manager two or three or four of the people who were long-standing employees with her quit uh, and it had all happened earlier that day and it was clear that it just created this awful sense there um, and I noticed there was a man there who seemed trying to be very energetic over by the cash register and he was he had the uniform on of the place and was uh, someone I had never seen there, and he was acting like a manager, and so I figured he was the replacement manager. Within an instant, uh, I was angry. Uh, I felt uh, that an injustice had happened and that uh, it wasn't fair, it wasn't right, that for some weird reason, that was probably a terrible reason, they had canned her, uh, I felt uh, heated up I'm sure my heartbeat was going faster I'm sure my breathing was shallower uh, I was just wired I was in a way to look back and think wow uh, I felt that it felt it very personally um, that it that uh, something had been done there was a betrayal that had happened and I was angry at those who were the perpetrators um, obviously from what I've told you and I've and I have and I'm not leaving anything out I really didn't know uh, anything other than what I just told you about what had happened um, but it was enough for me to generate uh, a really intense emotional response I went over to the uh, cash register because I still wanted to just grab a cup of coffee uh, before I left and But I also had all these uh, reactions to the new manager, or at least to this guy, if if he was going to be the new manager, and I said, you know, I just want a cup of coffee, and I don't understand what's happened. He said, well, some changes were made. Okay, I just have my coffee. Uh, I'm a member. There's something you can pay on an annual basis, and you can get all the coffee you want, and that's what I always did, and they always knew that I was a member he said well can i see your membership card i said i don't have it with me i don't carry it with me now because i've come here for years literally and every day and so everybody knows that you know so i don't show the card every day he says well i can't really give you coffee without seeing the card and oh my god i wanted to hit him i was so angry it was it was really um over the top and um i just thought i better leave i just said oh i said you know I just want you to know this is a very different tone than I've ever seen in here and I walked out and I had thoughts of um, God I hope they fail God I hope they go under God I hope nobody comes here anymore that everybody sees what's happened and everybody just uh, boycotts the place so I was in the grip of um, of, of, of of changes in myself of uh, changes in my body changes probably in my brain uh, uh, really angry thoughts uh, retaliatory thoughts uh, I didn't quite take it as far as how can I get people to not come but I kind of entertained that idea um, and I was uh, I was cold withdrawn clipped and a little bit mean and except on the way out I stopped by one of the employees across the counter uh, who was still there who looked very sad and I said I'm really sorry about is happening and she said it's a nightmare and I felt somehow better because I felt like I had connected with a compatriot um, and uh, although of course things were uh, probably much worse for her than it was for me um, so that's what I wanted to start with and say because there was a an intense uh, negative emotional response and uh, everything we need to know uh, sort of in the basics the principles of what I'll be talking about could probably be re- referenced back to this I mean there I said all these things went on physiologically chemically in my thoughts in my expression in the urges that I had it all took that tone and and I would if somebody had asked me right then what are you feeling I would have said uh, angry uh, retaliatory and where did this uh, anger come from I mean it came from um, a couple things didn't it it came from this circumstance and you might say well of course you were angry but you know what that is true and it's not true because of course I was angry but also I was angry angry I was angry squared and what was the other angry if it was angry or anger times anger well it was um, that somehow this uh, all that happened, and this happened so instantaneously that it's amazing how fast these things happen. What a what an operator the brain is and the body, because I think within an instant what happened was my uh, my mind scanned instantly and located prior incidents. Uh, not every incident, but sort of a summary, multi-sensory uh, summation of. Uh, prior incidents in which there had been a betrayal uh, or hurt or loss and uh, just rapidly uh, so I think that what happened was that um, based on all these innumerable instances in my life um, of these experiences that had something to do with this uh, I came up with the word anger and more than the word anger, and this is a point I want to make and I'll talk more about later, I came up with the concept, anger, the category of concept, anger. Because none of the other incidents shared all of the details of this incident. But I drew from all of the ones from the past and uh, drew from a kind of, like I said, a, a sort of a summary statement of sense impressions and uh, circumstances from the past that were grouped together around this idea of anger and and I brought them uh, up out of the water and there I was really angry joining the past with this particular circumstance naming it anger holding the concept anger Um, and that with that concept came a kind of storyline of of what had happened because notice in my mind i filled in a lot of blanks in the story i had minimal data to work with and i sort of uh, fudged it i uh, my mind quickly generated that she had been mistreated i mean for all i knew it was possible that actually she asked to be let go uh, for all i knew she actually had done some things that i would have let her go for um, i really didn't know i didn't even stop to think of those things i just quickly had anger i f- had the previous instances were in the back of my mind unconsciously and boom i filled in the blanks and i was just thoroughly angry i brought it to bear on this where this will be important in a in a few minutes is when i talk about the difference between what you might, might call constructing anger against a backdrop of sensory impressions and circumstances bringing anger uh, building anger, creating the ca- concept, uh, anger, um, uh, rather than just being a victim of the activation of the anger inside me. These are very different ways to think of the arisal of a negative emotion. Um, so I'm saying right now that I think I constructed anger and I filled in a lot of blanks and it did a lot, and it did things for me. It activated me. It created motivation in me uh i used it to communicate with people first uh there in minimal but nonverbal ways and then uh, afterwards when i talked to people and said what would ha- what had happened and i was still caught up in uh, the injustice of it all uh so it it did a lot for me to have that concept anger um and that'll come up when i do go over the skills because um one of the things you review in trying to uh, work with your emotions is and you think your emotion is uh, is unnecessary and it's just painful um, to start to recognize what the functions of emotions are and the functions are there automatically and uh, and the um, and the emotion having having uh, un- embraced or endorsed or created anger as an emotion right then and there against this backdrop it also uh, has predictive value it, it it's not only a concept that is then um, brought to bear in this specific instance and the blanks are filled in and the emotion the uh, intensity comes but it also is predictive of, of now what's going to happen and what am I going to do next and uh, then I have an urge and I'm going to but I also gives you a prediction like this is not going to go well uh and then when i saw the guy i already had this all going and then when i went to the counter to get the coffee and the guy was uh finicky about the card and not very flexible or forgiving given that this was a first day uh, of a change um i thought see my prediction is borne out this guy is a jerk and uh and he's done a terrible thing so 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 The funny thing though is that when I think back on all the instances of anger and uh, betrayal that uh, I might have drawn from that I naturally drew from in the back of my mind because they are there uh, and so they all circled around you know this was not the same as any of them in other words I had anger at my dear friend that I've talked about in this podcast before when she had cancer and it went away and then it came back and she had treatment and when i started to get the idea oh my god she might not survive this i experienced uh, anger at her quickly followed by guilt how dare i be angry at her but i I experienced anger that was not the same anger as this um i had a supervisor i can remember making certain uh, comments to me when I was learning to be a psychotherapist that I thought were unusually harsh. And I was really angry at him from feeling insulted by him, by a superior. And uh, that was anger, but it wasn't this. And I was uh, angry. I frequently have been angry at people on our road outside my house driving fast when I'm walking the dogs right next to the road and they feel like they're putting my life in jeopardy. I get angry at them. I get angry at my kids for not doing chores, right? I get angry at myself for making a stupid mistake. Um, every one of these instances of anger is different than every other one. And yet I draw from all of them and create a summarizing statement somewhere in the back of my mind of, of anger with the name anger. And then any new instance immediately brings to bear that summary statement. Um, and if one isn't careful and doesn't look carefully at a given instance and just has one big word for all of this which is anger then it's quite possible to blur the lines of the truth and to react simplistically rigidly and uh, without clarifying anything and that happens all the time Um, now I did regulate my anger we'll be talking about emotion regulation how did i regulate it well um one thing i regulated it by going to the cash register and having an interaction with the uh, supposedly new manager and and finding him to act a certain way that confirmed my hypothesis you might say my concept my prediction and in a way that was a way of regulating and say yep there you go and it just sort of confirmed it in spite of the fact Uh, that it didn't actually say everything about him that I was attributing it to Um, I connected with that employee Uh, that helped me regulate my anger by finding a compatriot in the middle of this uh, deathly scene from my point of view Um, I walked out so that I uh, walked out and literally stayed away for uh, almost six months and then I started drifting back in um, and uh, and I also ordered nothing I felt I'm gonna punish them I'm gonna deprive them I mean these are not great ways of regulating in the long run but I'm just thinking back to what could you say because every one of us tries unless we get completely stuck in trap we try to regulate a negative emotion it just sometimes doesn't work or we get stuck regulating it in the same way over and over again Um I regulated the emotion in a way by hoping they would fail. And every day, cuz I would walk past them every day and go other places to get food or just bring my lunch or whatever and uh and so it was both it was a trigger again each day. I would look in and see, "Ha ha, oh good, they hardly have any customers." And I would uh feel that. I would scowl in their direction. You know, and and so all of these things uh, so as a combination of uh, punishment and avoidance and finding a compatriot and telling expressing my negative feelings to other people and telling, and suggesting that they shouldn't go there either so there was all of this um, and uh, so I was regulating my anger but actually I would have to say in looking back and thinking was this a skillful way to regulate anger you know it was more skillful than some things i could have done right i really could have done some things that were really off the wall and dangerous and uh, bad for me and bad for them but this wasn't that i i stayed within the lines you might say um and and nobody suffered that much i suffered the most but over a six month period my suffering was still going on i was still carrying my anger at them and the sense of injustice and there had no been, been no real corrective action, you might say, in my brain to reconsider. Today, uh, while thinking about this this morning, I decided to go there for lunch and I decided to go and sit there first for about 20 minutes just silently, like doing a kind of a mindful practice of being there and noticing what it brought up in me, what it brought up in my what it brought up in my body my emotions and looking around and noticing how things operate and actually after a while uh, my mind was actually open to seeing the people there as people seeing the people there as trying to do their job trying to create an atmosphere they were dressed up in Halloween costumes a little bit they had candy available in front of the cash register um, they were in a good mood, these people, not one of whom was one of the same ones as that was there six months ago and 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 the and that manager from that day there he was, dressed up in a silly cl- uh, clown costume and um and and i had I had I felt like scowling at him, but then I just noticed I thought, you know, I don't know what happened and i and my mind opened my mind by sitting there. It let go a bit of the uh, open and shut case I had filed against them in the uh, in the in the courts of my mind and it's sort of like oh alright alright things happen I don't know what happened I don't know how it happened I don't know what was for the best but you know what they're here doing this and uh, and who knows who knows I just sort of I just opened my mind and I so today I did this deliberately and i'm glad i did it i feel like it's now a place i can go again uh and 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 i still have a little trace of oh no will i be betraying this uh, person the former manager and i thought you know i don't think so and i don't think this is a, a the kind of loyalty that's necessary or that that you know i i, I and i even saying this i'm hedging a little bit but um, but mostly I let go and mostly I entered in after a while to that and the guy came over when I had finished my sandwich and uh, my plate was there and uh, the manager and he said hey can I take your plate and just give you some more space there and I said yes thank you and he said no problem and he was so nice Uh, and so it was different so I just uh, so, so today I did all of those things and I Just used a more softer and flexible approach. And guess what? Um, My anger's down like 80% from where it was. It's another example of how, uh, in an earlier stage of the podcast, when we were talking about PTSD and trauma, uh, and in particular when I was talking to Melanie Harnett about prolonged exposure, as well as uh, talking to Natalia Garcia about the trauma of losing her two year old son. Um, of how uh, avoidance prolongs uh, pain and suffering and negative emotions so there um, by the way there was one I left one out the most important background angry episode of, of all probably because it was much more related to this and it makes it more specific to this, uh, was that uh, when I was 12 years old and due to a change in my father's work, we moved from the town where I grew up and the town where I had cousins and lots of friends and had been there my whole life and where my mother was extremely comfortable and where her sister was and her parents. And we had to move to the big city, Portland, Oregon. and uh, And I felt betrayed and angry about that and 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 my betrayal sense of betrayal and anger was on behalf of my mother uh, as much as me I thought of how could my father do this to her and and then I realized when I thought about that oh my god that that's much closer to this scenario so one of the outcomes of going over this and thinking about this and thinking about how we construct emotions is that it's oversimplifying and maybe not helpful to think that there is such a thing as anger and anger has the same pathway, and anger is always, you know, going to be subject to the same uh, skill treatment. No, there are many angers, and they come from many different specific instances of anger, and it, and and you really should be thinking, no, this is like this anger. The more we can have flexible and specific, and what would you call it, scripts. Of angry of of what causes anger the more we can bring to bear on the current new instance that sets off our anger something very specific and more like that and understand it more clearly and predict things more clearly Um, if I had thought much about that right then I would have thought yeah that that did happen to my mother but you know what my mother ended up loving where we were living staying in touch with people in the former town And having a new set of friends a new set of activities and I don't think she regretted it after a while so yeah things change and yet we can hang on to our emotions in a way that's very damaging for us okay so let me shift gears let me say to you when I have taught emotion regulation training in DBT (coughs) um, so many times uh, over and over again since 1990 1990 probably 1989 1990 when I started teaching it and learning it um, I I usually start my teaching of this uh, usually the way I start it when I start a group is actually to just start with hey everybody let's have a conversation about emotions and make it very low-key kind of like as if we were all just hanging around having coffee together and uh, talk about emotions in order to get emotion language going in order to find out where everybody is in relation to the concept of emotions the f- the ease with which they can talk about emotions and really just kind of like do this for about 10 minutes to find out what the hardest and easiest emotion is for different people do they appreciate any of their emotions what do they do when they have emotions just sort of like a preliminary uh, talk talk around about emotions and then I usually uh, talk about some basics that are not taught any one place within the skills usually, uh, or they might be in the skills, but where I consider them basics that I want them all to understand before we jump into the skills. So I'm going to tell you what those are. Um, and now I would be doing it somewhat differently, as you will then hear. But um, that is um, that, first of all, I tell people, I mean, let me just stop and say parenthetically to you emotions are really even as no matter how long you focus on them think about them they are so hard to grab hold of right I mean I was just walking down the street today and I had my backpack on I was going to my office and where I live or where I work there's a fair number of people that panhandle uh, and so this person sitting on the ground was asking for money as I walked by just kind of a little quietly quietly enough so that you can Just walk by and not have to respond or just say good morning or something like that And I walked by and that already set off an emotion. Oh uh, the emotion of uh, guilt uh, I'm sure I, sh- I should I should be doing this I should and and it the problem is it happens every time every day I walk by people and then I get annoyed also that they're there without knowing their stories at all which are probably pretty sad stories um, and so I walk by her today and I'm experiencing a certain level of guilt I don't know three out of ten of guilt or something like that and as I get by she calls out to me, hey, your backpack is is open. So I stop and uh, take my backpack off my back and look at it. And then, indeed, I needed to zip it up. I, something might have fallen out. I was already a fair distance past this person, and I just said, thank you, and I continued on. And then I felt like a real schmuck like what am I doing just walking on uh, like this I, I don't and and she and she uh, offers to help me out like that and I don't even go back and do something and I just felt very awkward and felt like damn it I hate this but you know what it happens all the time and and in the last few days since I was going to be talking about this I've just been noticing how I don't go ten minutes without another emotional response it's just emotion after emotion after emotion and they're often low-grade but every one of them has some something associated with it some whole story associated with it it's amazing that it's going on I invite you to if you haven't done that or it's maybe for many of you it's so obvious that it's ridiculous even to say but you know it's just they're always going on Uh, I walk by this I walk by that somebody says this somebody says that Um, I leave something in my car I have to go back to my car I have emotions about that You know when you really start to pay attention (laughs) at a certain microscopic level realize emotions are not just sort of a thing that gets triggered every once in a while they are constantly there and they are in a sense constantly orienting me to my environment like emotions are a constant responsiveness to my environment and um, actually at one point um, some of you would know this I wrote a song because uh, I sang it on the podcast once and I wonder and I'm just pulling up on my computer I'm gonna sing it right now damn it if it's if I find it right now sorry I wasn't ready with this I hadn't uh, thought about this ahead um, let me think What what this uh I have a I have to go in my computer right now to the DBT documents and then among the DBT documents um, I have a one that's called um one file called the DBT songbook where I put all my DBT songs and I'm almost there. And really the point of this is that I wrote this song uh after um after i had read this work about constructing emotions that i'm going to be telling you more about because um, i think there's some really important points in it i don't think it's everything and i think it can be a nice addition or supplement to what we do in uh, our dbt teaching about emotion regulation here we are let's see i can just tell you ray take a break all right. for those of you who've heard this before i apologize if it seems uh too redundant you can just go you know do whatever you need to do listen to something else do something else or you can listen to this again uh, this is a song um, called riding on the river of emotions and it really captures this idea that emotions are just always going and and they're they are of all different natures and it's just air all the time it's going on So what I did was when I thought about that I realized I was wanted to compare it to the way a river a white with white water in it is always going like the water never stops it isn't like you start the water and then stop the water like a spigot and it's to the tune of the city of New Orleans Uh, you may or may not know that song Um, but if you wanted to hear the tune somewhere you could go to YouTube and look up city of New Orleans rafting on the river in the springtime snow is meltin', waters runnin high rapids disappearing in the darkness in the depths every rap rafters hoping not to die every day is just a river run from puttin in to gettin done feelings just like waters rise and fall sometimes they intensify they make us scream they make us cry And they take us on the greatest rides of all. Good morning, anger on the river. You crash us into boulders everywhere. You give us all a thrill just before we take a spill. And then you shame us all. You just don't care. Wisdom is to know the ways of water. To notice when it's friend and when it's foe. To always keep our heads above the surface. To ride the waves, but sometimes let them go. But when we're in the water's grip, we can't let go, because the raft could flip. We settle in and hang on for the ride. It's strange to say, but often true, that doing nothing is the thing to do, rather than paddling against the tide. Hello, contentment on the river. It's nice to drift and look back where we've been. Your lazy pace allows us to recover and get ready for the turbulence again. Water and emotions just keep moving, whether slow or fast. Waves happen all the time. If we use our paddles with wisdom and with skill, by the end we might just feel sublime doesn't mean we're always dry it doesn't mean we never cry water and emotions cut both ways but observing rapids mindfully and using skills can set us free and give us lots of satisfying days good evening darkness on the river it's time for us to end another run you've brought us chills and thrills now sadness and now we rest before another one. So I hope that some of you who hadn't heard that before found it a good way of capturing this. Now I want to tell you other basics, uh, uh, or the basics that I that I use um, when I teach. One, as I go over that, emotion is a response. An instantaneous response to some perceived information that comes into our sensory system either externally or or internally like interoception or proprioception or uh, noticing what's going on inside or having a thought so emotion is a response to that second that emotion is a complex response system and it's a system it's made up of many components and it's sort of Just comes in and we're aware of it we sometimes don't know quite where did all this come from that's what makes it kind of weird and mysterious compared to things that you have more control over like if somebody says uh, why don't you think about a pink elephant you can think about a pink elephant If someone says why don't you generate anger it's hard to just directly generate anger you can generate anger by thinking of something that makes you angry thinking thoughts that make you angry you could generate anger by starting to act angry and then you would probably find that the emotion would follow but but emotions sort of um, I don't know they come out of other things and they come up all, all from all over uh, ourselves from our head to our toe uh, and they include thoughts and brain changes and physiological changes in the body and urges that we have and expressions uh, of emotions that we do so emotions are complex multi-component phenomena next um, researchers for a long time have focused on identifying and naming what are the primary emotions and this began uh, out of Darwinian theory about emotions and since then of people uh, settling on the idea that there are certain primary emotions the way that there are certain primary or complementary colors um, and that you know people um, busily name them and research them and say that other emotions are kind of like modifications or variations on those um, and the primary ones are things like uh, you know and usually the minimal size list is seven or eight of them and sometimes it's up to 11 or 12 um, and can be more but it, it would be fear and guilt and shame uh, anger, surprise, disgust, uh, joy, um, an emotion called interest, which is interesting. Um, and that these are the primary emotions that drive that drive that drive uh, us and and that combine into other emotions. Um, and so there's that idea that's come from evolution. And you know, along with that idea is that these, these uh, primary emotions, Sit in us you might say in our brain and in our nervous system in our body they sit there like a like an action pattern like a pattern that's waiting to be triggered and then it's and and it has a, each emotion has its own fingerprint and it, the hypothesis that goes with this kind of theorizing is that each emotion has its own neurochemistry it's own, their own neurotransmitter pathways or networks In the brain and so when it's at when you have anger or shame each time you have one if it's the same emotion again you're gonna see the same uh, neurobiology showing up Um, and it turns out this is not true but uh, that's the way it's been thought of for a long time and the idea that each emotion has its own fingerprint has given rise to the idea that we might want to address each emotion uh, in a different way or with in a special way uh from early in the world of DBT, the development of DBT, I can remember Marshall Linehan saying, it made an impression on me, uh, that, um, you know, you want to determine what emotion somebody's feeling. And so you go asking about it, you know, what emotion are you feeling? Hoping they have a name for it or that you can determine a name or you can figure it out based on some of the characteristics. And then because then if you actually find out what the emotion is, if it's anxiety or if it's fear or if it's shame, that um, we have a treatment that varies from emotion to emotion. We have treatments for emotions, and uh, therefore you want to find out what the emotion is. So that goes along with this basic set of ideas, uh, that there is a fingerprint, that there is a neurochemistry to each one, etc. Um, then I, I've always liked explaining to people that there's uh, the difference of primary and secondary emotions. This is a different use of the term primary than what I just used. Uh, the primary that I just used was, you know, one of eight or nine or 10 or 11, 12 emotions that are sort of uh, universal. They're all over the globe and they're characterized by similar n- neural pathways and things and uh, they have fingerprints. Um, this use of primary doesn't mean that. This means any emotion that you have as your first response to a situation, your first response. Uh, somebody uh, tells you um, uh, Wondered if I had put an example I didn't make a note of any but uh, somebody tells you uh, well I already told you one I walk by somebody uh, I'm angry or I was angry at my friend Cindy when it became more clear that she might die of her cancer and then instantly followed by guilt and guilt became the more prominent feeling um, the anger in a way became a hidden entity I moved on from it and yet it had a powerful impact on me that was hard to reverse the impact was that I distanced from her I could feel it I felt like something had snapped between us and I sort of hate saying this um, but uh, and then I felt more distant and I felt less compelled to be in touch with her all the time and things and I would fight that because I felt so felt guilty and I didn't think of myself as being angry I just felt like a distance had grown but I had imposed the distance uh, and it was partly because I just didn't stay with my anger the way I did today finally uh, six months after being angry at this uh, coffee bagel place um, so um, the the primary emotion is the initial automatic and natural valid response to this, to the circumstance, to the prompting event, you might say. And then a secondary emotion is the second, is, is the emotion that comes in in response to that emotion. So, so anger followed by guilt. Uh, it could be that, uh, you see sometimes in teenagers and as well as people throughout any age, but a lot, you see this in, in teenage boys, uh, that they uh, feel ashamed of their behavior, of something they said. I mean, their high, high, heightened self-consciousness is part of the story. And they feel ashamed as their primary response to something. Somebody says something, they feel ashamed. Somebody insults them, they feel ashamed. They make a mistake, they think they make a mistake, some, they feel ashamed. And then the shame almost automatically and quickly turns to anger. And then they lash out. And what all you see is the lashing out and you think, ah, oh, the person responded with anger to that. No, actually that's not, not as accurate as say they probably responded with shame. And then from the shame they quickly moved on to anger because shame was such an unacceptable emotion to have. So it's very important when doing emotion regulation to understand this difference. Now, here's the revisions I think that are in, potentially in order. To this a model which we've used in DBT um, the work of the lab of uh, oh between 10 and 20 years the research work by a, an, an, a psychologist an emotion researcher in Boston named Lisa Feldman Barrett Lisa Feldman Barrett if you haven't seen her work uh, You you can see her talking on YouTube there's a 20-minute TED talk where she goes over some of the basic concepts and she wrote a book uh, I think it's called how we construct emotions and it and it really is a different take on emotions and it's more like something I was alluding to earlier in this talk um, you know and and the idea is this I'll try to get it across um, though I highly recommend that you uh, uh, go over uh, look at her stuff actually I'll just try to say one step at a time here's how her theory is and inc- and you can apply it to the incident that I had at the bagel place An incident happens right so first of all just you encounter an incident it comes into your brain the specifics of the incident set off through your sensory perceptions and uh, a sort of an internal set of sensations uh, and perceptions in the brain and in the body we would call it also in the mind um, and at that stage before you do something else with it which is almost impossible to stop it at that stage but at that stage it has no special additional meaning it's just sort of you have activated multiple sensory inputs into the nervous system and there they are um, existing being real activating things in a way that probably could be measured and then the person instantaneously senses the input and then as I was describing before draws on a history of prior incidents with the same similar input same or with some similar input Um, and so there you are as I was with this kind of jangling set of feelings about walking into this bagel place in its atmosphere and realizing that she was gone and then learning that she had been fired and in that context then the brain does something the brain creates an efficient uh, multi-sensory summary uh, or it has one it activates an an efficient, uh, condensed, multiple sensory summary from previous incidents that bear some resemblance. And it holds that summary up as a concept, you might say, if you could slow down this process, as a kind of program with meaning. Uh, And it is a much richer summary than what you're actually experiencing or seeing. It's richer in the sense that there's a lot of blanks filled in you're filling in the blanks. You're seeing part. You're seeing a scene like I was seeing at the bagel place, and and I'm activating this in my brain from pre- previous uh, incidents. And that summary quickly fills in the blanks of Look what they've done! Look how they've treated her! Look what they're like! What a jerk! Etc. And that summary, perhaps you might call that summary anger. Uh, it's a concept in buddhism it actually would be called a mental formation anger is a mental formation joy is a mental formation they aren't called uh, uh, feelings in, in buddhism feelings just mean that either it's a, a negative uh, or unpleasant feeling or a pleasant feeling or neutral feelings that's that's as wide as the categories go but everything that's more specific emotions are part of a story and their mental formations so this summary gets activated let's call it anger as a concept and it helps to establish meaning about what happened at the bagel place it it sort of provides some uh, hypotheses about why this happened how it happened It, it, it can explain reactions one's own reaction it can explain the reactions of other people uh, it can it can bring out about motivation you know I it brought motivation in me uh, to communicate to others in a certain way to take certain kinds of action uh, and actually it it causes you to um, communicate uh, to yourself uh, what's going on and then it further fuels your reactions the rich summary I'm talking about uh, which is attached to uh, a particular emotion name uh, has in it the ingredients that are in the model of emotions that we use in dbt that's where these things merge it it is a different way of looking at it but but not so far off track but it it, it doesn't require throwing out what we do in dbt but it's clear that dbt is based on more of the classical view of emotions as being in there with certain fingerprint that are activated by a certain type of prompting event and run a certain kind of course and therefore are amenable to certain kinds of skills for interventions and all of those things that are going on in it actually are you might say that that Lisa Feldman Barrett idea uh, that there is a highly condensed efficient multisensory summary in the brain uh, Attached to different emotion words and we learn those as we grow up and as as we learn the names of emotions and we start attaching them and, and the fact that we have the names is very important um, is that is that if you were to get uh, if you were to get a, a scan and <laughs> if you could do a brain scan of what the program looks like the multi sensory thought impression program of a given emotion if you could get a picture of what it looks like and therefore what all the ingredients are it would pretty much have the same ingredients that we have in DBT uh, when we go through what we call the model of emotions which I'll cover next time along with some of the skills uh, initial skills so just so you know if you're interested in this level of even talking about this um, that these that the this Lisa Feldman Barrett idea it is going to be associated with certain prompting events which trigger this particular set of um, of um, sensory inputs and it is going to be associated with certain thoughts that get triggered and it's going to be associated with certain brain chemistry changes uh, and certain body sensory changes uh, with body changes also like uh, heart rate and breathing changes and sweating and uh, metabolism etc., hormonal output and and so on and um there will be a sense of what the emotion is and and an attempt to name it sometimes and there will be an action urge or uh, associated with it which is not too far removed from what lisa bell feldman barrett would call that the uh this concept will predict things and it also gives rise to things it gives birth to um, motivation and certain types of action and it and then it gets expressed in certain words so you know you just assume that this is the package that's there the only difference is and i think it does make a difference to me when i think about this um that that because we're thinking that we create an emotion against a backdrop of of a sensory summary and a set of sensations um, we 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 might behave a little bit differently in trying to help somebody with uh, with difficult emotions Um, one thing is that she emphasizes a lot And it's really built into our manual in the number of different uh, emotion words that Linehan lists for each emotion like a huge number of synonyms in the skills manual is that that's very helpful it's what it's what uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett and other researchers call emotional granularity the more names you can have the more specific concepts specific names that apply to the specific experiences you have the more accurate your rendition the more accurate your program is going to be and the more accurate the various tools that you can apply to it will be so that that can be helpful and um, um, and and also I think it's going to lead you to be a little more uh, proactive um, um, in um, Asking somebody who's stuck with an emotion uh, if you t- if you have the concept that this person is actually repeatedly creating their emotion um, then you're going to intervene differently than if you just think that they keep being the victim of the actual emotion which has its own life and it is taking them over like like a hijacker um, this I this idea I've been hijacked uh sometimes makes it seem a little uh fateful like it's going to be hard to do much about this you've been taken over by something but if you think you know i've I've partially created this i've taken some genuine sense impressions and i have turned it into an emotion and now i'm trapped in that emotion the way linehan has talked about it that's more or less the same thing is the way she's used a metaphor that emotions love themselves and in in that in that once you have an emotion that's going it will give rise to thoughts that keep creating the same emotion it'll give rise to actions that keep creating the same emotions and it might give rise as it did with me with the uh, bagel place a withdrawal as an action which kept perpetuating the same emotion didn't give it a chance to change by exposing myself to the to the circumstances there anymore so um it does uh, it does kind of like get, give you a, a place to intervene to try to interrupt in in lots of different ways that i'll be bringing up starting the next podcast i'll just say now what i'll in the next podcast i'm going to talk about a couple more things be uh, as preliminaries before i jump in to skill by skill um and but they are pretty close to the manual themselves because the other three modules Are also critical when it comes to emotion regulation so to practice understand how to practice mindfulness in a way that helps you come to terms with or live with or transform emotions there's just lots of teaching on that just strictly mindfulness teaching mindfulness is a huge package of concepts and principles uh, and and practical things to do so I'm going to talk some about mindfulness and the treatment of uh, of emotions by mindfulness the last module i talked about distress tolerance was about what to do with emotions when they get really intense and you're going to do something unfortunate uh, that you might regret Uh, how you might apply uh, distress tolerance crisis survival skills but actually those also are helpful on a regular basis in uh, managing emotions if you apply them that way and also the associated reality acceptance skills and finally interpersonal skills which I haven't gone over yet but I will um, a lot of interpersonal skills have to do with shaping your environment around you uh, in a way that might uh, reduce the kind of um, intensity or frequency of some of your emotions so all of these play a role so I'm going to stop there um, where i live we don't get trick-or-treaters uh we're kind of further out but uh where you all are i hope you enjoy halloween and uh if it's a holiday that you enjoy some people hate it and i will talk to you uh any of you who are listening in um three weeks from now okay bye-bye